Let me guess. You're playing your ball out of the wrong fairway again. Stop yelling four right after every shot and start playing the new Big Bertha B21 from Callaway. Because truth is, there's a ton of distance trapped inside your swing. You just need the technology of Big Bertha to unlock it. It's pretty simple. A straighter ball equals a longer ball. So Callaway built a whole family of Big Bertha drivers, irons, woods, and hybrids with a new formula for forgiveness. Big Bertha was designed to reduce side spin while generating an insane amount of ball speed, leading to straighter shots off the tee. That's how you unleash your inner distance. And Callaway made Big Bertha irons so forgiving you can practically hit them anywhere on the face and the ball just launches. No matter your swing, Big Bertha gives every shot more distance. Big Bertha is a full family of long, forgiving, and really easy-to-hit clubs. Say hello to the fairway again. Introduce yourself to the green, because this is distance any way you swing it. Unlock your inner distance today at callawaygolf.ca slash Big Bertha. For the first time in 101 years, there won't be a Grey Cup winner. And for the first time in 102 years, there won't even be a CFL season. The Canadian Football League cancelled plans for shortened play in a hub city after failing to get a loan from the feds. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. I'm joined by Post Media National Sports columnist Dan Barnes to discuss why the feds turned down the league, whether we'll see a 2021 season, and what this says about the health of the league and football in Canada. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Dan, when it comes to the Canadian Football League, for a period there was hope that we'd have like a bubble season, like with the NHL, with all games being played in one stadium. But ultimately that fell apart. Why was the league not able to put a season together? As with many things in pro sports, it was all about the money. And the CFL governors and the leadership, including Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, decided early in the process that if this was going to happen in any form, whether they were going to get any sort of season together, they were going to have to do it with some federal money. And that became a serious problem. And it was a problem because the CFL bungled it from the very beginning. When Randy Ambrosi appeared before the Standing Committee on Finance on May 7th, he essentially asked for, in a worst-case scenario, $150 million. Wow. That was going to get the CFL through not only the 2020 season, whatever it looked like, but through 2021 as well, because they were expecting some serious financial problems. And, and I'm sure that's going to happen. But 150 million bucks was outrageous and everybody used it as the headline, rightly so. It was a number that they actually asked for. And then it went steadily downhill from there. They grasped at some straws later. They went down to about 40 million bucks. And that was going to be a loan with what the CFL thought were fees that were too high. And eventually they settled on a $30 million ask, which was, in hindsight, their phase one ask of the $150 million package. They wanted $30 million to get them through this initial cash crunch. And so they settled on that. The feds looked like they were going to come through with that. But at the last minute on Friday night, as a matter of fact, somebody from the government phoned Randy Ambrosi and said, you're not getting your money. And the league was gobsmacked. 
What did the league need that money for? Both the, I guess, the $150 million, what would that have been used for? And even that $30 million, what would that money have gone toward? The $150 million would have carried them through the uh, 2021 season because they do expect some serious financial problems because their revenue has essentially been cut to zero. All the season ticket money that people had put on deposit for 2020, thinking there was going to be a normal season, has been spent. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive it's all gone because they've been paying coaches, they've been paying some staff at some reduced rates, mind you, but still there's been money going out the door and nothing coming in. So they're going to start from not only zero, but in the case of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they expect to lose $10 million. The uh, Edmonton Football Club may well exhaust its entire $12 million rainy day fund. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers believe that they're going to be without their $7.5 million rainy day fund by the fall. So they're operating on shoestrings now. Wow. So that was the idea behind the $150 million. The $30 million ask was supposed to help them run the bubble in Winnipeg. And they were going to be there for about 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. And they were getting some help from the Manitoba government. They had pledged $2.5 million. But a bubble is an expensive thing. In the case of the CFL, they would have started with, I don't know, 800 people in uh, hotel rooms. And you have to feed them. You have to transport them. You have to put them on practice fields. It's an expensive venture. And they also have to pay the players some sort of salary. And the players balked at the idea of a prorated one-third salary for playing six games instead of 18. But that money was going up. It was going to be much more than that. and Again, another expensive part of it. So that's where most or all of the $30 million would have gone. What was the rationale behind the Fed's decision not to offer them even a $30 million loan? Well, that I don't know (laughs) because the Feds aren't talking about it. Mm -hmm. I can only guess that they were not in the business of supporting mostly privately run professional sport. That's simply a guess. What's interesting is that the federal government will very likely wind up supporting these players anyway through the Q's program. The uh, Players Association and the CFL have essentially hammered out a deal. It's not finalized, but I expect that's going to happen very shortly, where 441 veteran players on either one, two, or three-year contracts in some cases are going to be eligible to access money through the Q's program retroactive to July, continuing through December or beyond Mm -hmm. if that program is extended. So they're going to get public money. It's just not in the way that the CFL planned. In the CFL, you know, unlike other professional leagues where you have lots of players making lots of money in the CFL, you have some players making fairly sizable contracts, but you have a lot of players who aren't making a lot of money. What is the CFLPA saying about the cancellation of a season, the lack of even a shortened six-game season, and how the league has handled this? The CFLPA was pretty adamant that the CFL should have gone ahead. The CFLPA did what it had to do. They uh, came up with health and safety protocols in cooperation with the CFL that had already been passed by the Manitoba government and had been looked upon favorably by the Public Health Agency of Canada. So that part was done. 
they had basically hammered out a new collective bargaining agreement with the CFL specifically for 2020 because there were about 18 clauses in their deal that had to be renegotiated for a shortened season. That was basically done. The players were happy that they were going to be able to, what it looked like, put on a short, safe season and their players were going to get compensated pretty well. Mm -hmm. Not as well as they'd like maybe, but pretty well. So the PA definitely wanted to go ahead. They were disappointed that the CFL wouldn't finance the thing on their own. And now they're looking ahead. Their members, you know, they might get $847 a week for a while. And for some guys, that's, I mean, it's not even, it's not close to the minimum salary anymore. The minimum salary in the CFL is 65000 Canadian. Mm -hmm. The top end is Mike Riley, the quarterback of the BC Lions, earning 725000 But most guys, I think, when you include housing payments and bonuses, report and pass bonuses, they're in the neighborhood of 85000 or more Canadian. So this is a drastic drop in their revenue. Mm -hmm. They're on the hook for doing whatever they got to do until 2021 now. Out of all of this, as you mentioned earlier, you have teams who are likely going to spend their way through their cash reserves. What do you feel that this has shown Canadians about the health of their unique football league? Well, I think Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner, made it pretty clear on May 7th when he told the Standing Committee on Finance that even in a good or typical year, and this certainly isn't that, but in a good or typical year, the league combines to lose between 10 and $20 million regularly, all the time. That is an unsustainable business model. Mm -hmm. The CFL is about a $210 million business, generally speaking, per year, and they manage to lose money on those kind of revenues. So it's not sustainable. They need to do something about their business model. They've been talking about it for months now, really. And I think those conversations with the team presidents and the team governors are going to intensify because they cannot come back to the 2021 season, if in fact there is one, mm -hmm. and COVID-19 will decide that, obviously. They can't come back under the same terms. Too many teams are losing too much money. We only know what the three public teams make, and you know they're doing okay, but there are teams that are really lagging behind, and sadly... It's the ones in the major cities of Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. They are the laggards in this thing. And that can't be good for the overall health of the team or the league, rather. When you talk about the fact that the teams in the major cities are the ones that are hurting financially and that impacts the health of the league, could we see out of this a rethink of where the league operates? I know there's we're looking at potentially an Atlantic Canadian franchise. Could we see other small market franchises come out of this? Or is it not worth it to go into smaller markets that may have a fan base, but just not the same kind of money attached? Yeah, I don't think they can expand. First of all, the Atlantic Schooners, they don't have a place to play yet. So they're not on the immediate horizon. That's going to be a couple of years down the road yet. The pandemic didn't do them any favors, that's for sure. And I don't believe that the CFL can go much beyond a 10th franchise whenever that happens. They really need to just strengthen the nine that they have and operate in a manner that is more conducive to the overall health of the league. And I believe that's going to look like revenue sharing of some kind. And it's, there's plenty of precedent for it in pro sport, in the NFL, and in fact, in the CFL's history. They had revenue sharing, I think it was 1987, 
probably in the mid 70s as well and then and in the mid 60s so mm-hmm. they've done it before the formula changes the ideas change on how they do it but i think that's probably where they're headed Typically, though, when you talk about revenue sharing, you're talking about larger markets making money, sharing money with smaller markets who aren't doing as well. How do you manage that in the reverse? As you said, the Winnipeg's, Edmonton's, Regina, they're doing okay, but is there enough revenue to share around, especially in a place like Edmonton, where we've seen attendance in that massive Commonwealth Stadium drop over the years? You can't look at big and small markets. You have to look at the haves and the have-nots. The uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders reported revenues of $40 million in their uh, most recent financials. Edmonton's football club was at 23 and change, mm-hmm. and Winnipeg was at 36. So can the Saskatchewan Rough Riders get by on $36 million and spread $4 million throughout the league? Probably. Can Winnipeg do the same thing? Probably. But I'm not sure of the formula, what this would look like, whether it would be a straight-up gate equalization or some other form of revenue sharing. But there are team presidents already talking about it and around it. Mm -hmm. I've seen quotes from Bill Manning in Toronto talking about problems at the gate and how they have to share things in terms of business. Craig Reynolds in Saskatchewan talked about it. Rick Lawlisher in BC has talked about it. And if they're talking vaguely in those terms, again, I believe that's where this is going because the league is committed to revamping its business model. We've heard that from so many people over the last five months now that it's just, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Do you feel like Commissioner Randy Ambrosi has done enough to shepherd the league through this? Is there more he could be doing or is it just really bad set of circumstances that no commissioner could have managed this? He was doing a pretty good job until he showed up in front of the Standing Committee on Finance on May 7th. And he has admitted that that was a major mistake, the way he went into that. Now, he appeared there without consulting the players, certainly without inviting the players to appear with him on that Zoom call. And that was seen as a major mistake. And then the ask itself for $150 million, he now regrets that. He told a radio station in Toronto just the other day that those two things he wished he could do again. But he also said that the league was being advised by, well, he didn't say lobbying company or firm, but I believe it was exactly that. He said that the CFL was told to go in with a number that was the absolute worst case scenario and they landed upon 150. He now wishes that they had gone and asked just for enough to get them through that bubble, and that would have been the $30 million ask that they settled on. Mm -hmm. So did he do enough? Well, he did what he thought was right, and he also does this at the behest of the Board of Governors. He is their employee. Yeah. So he does what he's told, especially in terms of financial dealings, right? Now, when he's out there talking about the global outreach and things like that, that's, you know, more of his baby. But finances, he is absolutely towing the party line there. So they all have to take a part of that blame and they just have to do it better next time. And, you know, they have to change the business approach and they are committed to that. So can he make up for his mistakes? Perhaps. It didn't look good. He stumbled. He admitted that he has to take responsibility for the fact that they're not having a season and uh, he just has to do better. You talk about the idea that the, the league's working on a new business model and some larger markets are having 
problems. When you look at those three cities, Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal, there's competition from Major League Soccer. Toronto has an NBA franchise. There's huge interest in the NFL. May we just be having to get used to a smaller CFL, like the idea that it's not the thing that it once was in Canada and the league needs to get used to that as well? Well, no, because there are discrepancies. It will always be the biggest show in town in Regina. That's not going to change. Winnipeg is holding on. They've got a new building and they're doing some nice things out there. What you have to realize is that I don't think there's an answer for Toronto. Mm -hmm. And Randy Ambrosi is not the first commissioner to try to figure out Toronto. He won't be the last commissioner who hasn't figured out Toronto. In Vancouver, there is so much else going on. You look out your window and there's the ocean and the mountains and, you know, you can ski and paddleboard in the same day. It is a tough, tough sell to get people to sit at BC Place Stadium on a lovely Sunday afternoon. So it's you're up against all kinds of things and the National Hockey League is there. And in Toronto, there's so many more sports and Montreal has a tough thing. Montreal is the Habs town and, you know, when the Expos were there, great, but they are a hockey city. They made the right move. They went to a small stadium on the McGill campus. I think that was the right idea. They shifted to a smaller model, but that affects their revenues, you know, so they have a very limited upside there. And that's one of the problems. So I think the league is as diverse as Canada is, and that is both a blessing and a curse. The strength of the league will always be out west, always on the prairies. Mm -hmm. Edmonton has lost some ground, there's no doubt. Their revenues are down. Calgary is showing a little bit of weakness, but Winnipeg and Regina are still going strong. It's a strange thing because you cannot lump all these teams into one basket and say, this is the answer, this is the problem, here's the answer. You just can't do that. Well, I know for fans of the league and fans of some of the really popular teams in the league, I imagine they're really hoping there will be a 2021 season and that the CFL gets some of these financial issues sorted out. Dan, thanks for your time. You bet. Thanks, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Dan Barnes. You can find him in post-media papers across the country, whether that's the Toronto Sun or the Edmonton Journal. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.